is coming up now on Established in the Faith. If you yield the members of your physical body over to the sin nature, those members of your body will become a weapon against you. You become your own worst enemy. But he said, yield yourselves unto God. Hello, neighbor, and welcome today to Established in the Faith. This is Pastor James Pierce of Friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina, and how so very pleased and happy we are to be with you today. Got a great message lined up for you. Hope you can stay with us for the next 30 minutes. If not, let me encourage you to go over to establishedinthefaith.com. There you can listen to today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. Well, we're going to go on into the message now. Hope and pray it'll be a blessing to you. Have your Bibles this morning, would you turn with me, please, to Second Chronicles chapter 30, beginning in verse 7. Second Chronicles 30 and verse 7. And be ye not like your fathers and like your brethren which trespassed against the Lord God of their fathers, who therefore gave them up to desolation, as ye see. Now be ye not stiff-necked, as your fathers were, but yield yourselves unto the Lord, and enter into his sanctuary, which he hath sanctified forever, and serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. I want to use for a subject this morning, preaching a few minutes, yielding yourself to the Lord. For the past several weeks, we've been dealing with the letters that Hezekiah wrote to both the northern and southern kingdoms of Israel. Those letters were an invitation to come to the Passover that they were going to have there in Jerusalem at the temple. And evidence is that Israel had not celebrated the Passover in some 260 years since Israel was divided under Rehoboam, who was the grandson of David. Ten of the twelve tribes of Israel at that time rebelled against Rehoboam. And they formed the northern kingdom. And they chose Jeroboam to be their king. And Jeroboam, knowing that the time of Passover was coming around, he feared that the people would go down to Jerusalem to the temple to celebrate the Passover, and that would create an opportunity for Rehoboam to try to take the king back. So in an effort to stop all of this, Jeroboam, he built a temple of high places. He built an altar, erected two gold calves, and told the people that these be the gods that delivered you out of Egypt. He ordained a feast similar to the Passover, uh, 
and encourage the people to come and participate in these particular feasts and activities. Jeroboam, he led the people, literally led the people away from God. 2 Kings 17, verse 21, he drove Israel from following the Lord. He calls the people to sin a great sin, the Bible says. And the Lord warned Israel through his servants, the prophets, warned that the direction they were going in was a wrong direction. It was a false way. Turn around, repent, come back to God. But they ignored that word. And God dealt with them for 260 years. And God finally turned them over to their enemies. The Assyrians came in and took them all away, the northern kingdom, leaving only the poor, the destitute, the sick. And those who were left behind, all of them were affected by this tragedy. None of them were exempt. Every one of them had lost a friend, had lost a neighbor, had lost a son, a daughter, an aunt, an uncle, a father, a mother. The list goes on and on. I can't wrap my mind around that today. Losing someone in such a fashion. The closest I can come is losing a loved one to death. But even in death, you have a funeral, you can have some closure, you, you know what has happened to that loved one. But to have a loved one kidnapped, never to see them again, you, you, you don't have any closure, you're constantly wondering, are they all right? Are they alive? Are they being mistreated? How are they getting along? And you're left wondering. You you have no closure. I, I can't imagine having to deal with those kind of emotions and thoughts. But the northern kingdom had been taken away to Assyria. And these were the headlines of the day. When King Hezekiah came to the throne of the southern kingdom of Israel. And Hezekiah opened up the temple of God and got the temple of God back in order. Got the sacrificial system back up and running again. And then he wrote letters. In 2 Chronicles 30 and verse 1, he wrote letters to all of Israel, including Ephraim and Manasseh. That's the northern kingdom. Now, Hezekiah was the king over the southern kingdom, but he's writing letters now to the northern kingdom, which was out of his jurisdiction. He really had no right to do that. But let me tell you something today. When God moves upon you 
and His Word is given to you to give to someone else, God's Word has jurisdiction everywhere. Are you listening to me today? Hezekiah sent those letters to the northern kingdom, and those letters were inspired by God. And God has jurisdiction over all of His creation. He sent those letters out. And it was an invitation to come to the house of the Lord in Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place where God placed His name. Jerusalem was the place where the temple of God was at. Where God dwelt in the Holy of Holies on the... Ark of the Covenant, there on the mercy seat between the two cherubim. That is where God's presence was at in the temple of God. Jerusalem, the house of the Lord, all of the temple compound, all of that. That's where the altar was at. The brazen altar where the sacrifices were brought and sin was addressed. Come to the house of the Lord. That's where sin is supposed to be addressed. But God help us today, it's hard to find a church anywhere that addresses and deals with sin anymore. Anything goes today. All in an effort to try to draw a crowd to bring people in. Come to the house of the Lord. That's where the sacrifices were made. And sin was addressed. Come and keep the Passover. The Passover was a type of Calvary. It wasn't until the blood of the Lamb was shed and the blood was applied to the doorpost that Israel was delivered from Egyptian bondage. Understand that today, ladies and gentlemen. There is no deliverance outside of Calvary. We look for miracle signs and wonders. But your deliverance, sir, will not come from a miracle, a sign, or a wonder. Your deliverance from sin will only come by the shed blood of Jesus Christ and what He did on Calvary and you applying that by faith to your heart and life. Come to the house of the Lord and keep the Passover. And he said in verse 7, Be not like your fathers and your brethren, which trespassed against the Lord God of their fathers, who therefore gave them up to desolation, as you see. Like I said, God was gracious and merciful for 260 years. He dealt with them. He deals with you. God will not just throw you aside, but He deals with you. He works with you. He loves you. But there does come a time when God's grace and mercy runs out and He turns you over to desolation, waste. I see what's taking place in our country today. We have trespassed against the Word of God. We're literally glorifying homosexuality. And lifestyles that go against God's word. And God is gracious and merciful. And he, he works with us. 
But I wonder how long will it be before God turns our country over to desolation. Before God turns us over completely to our enemies. America's greatest enemy today is socialism and communism. And we're seeing it happen right now in our country. As our country is literally being taken away by this foolishness. We're seeing it. The people then saw their loved ones carried away. They saw it. They witnessed it. They experienced it. He said, verse 8, 2 Chronicles 30, Be not stiff-necked. It has to do with a mule or a horse that's hard-headed. How many of you know some people that's hard-headed? Look right straight at me right now. Don't look at your husband. Don't look at your wife. Don't just look right straight at me right now. Hard-headed. Stiff-necked. James chapter 3 and verse 3. Says we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we can turn the whole body about by this bit, this device that we can put in the mouth. And what it does, there are two reins that are attached to either side of that bit, and it goes in the mouth of the mule or the mouth of the horse, and Sometimes you might get one of them animals that's stiff-necked, they're stubborn. They want to go their own way while you're sitting up there riding them. You take that rein and you can pull back on that bit and that bit grinds down on the teeth and it's, it's an uncomfortable thing. And that animal, whoa, and he, he'll, he'll begin to obey. You can pull this rein and he'll go to the right or you can pull on the left one and he'll go to the left I've never ridden a horse in my life but I understand a little bit of how it works the word of God is the bit that is to be in our hearts and God is to have the reins you know are you hearing me today and sometimes we can be a little stubborn and the Lord has to pull back on those reins. And life gets a little bit uncomfortable for you. We want people to come to church and we're going to make them feel welcome. But when the Word of God goes forth, they may feel a little bit uncomfortable. Why? Because of a stiff neck. They're going in a direction that... God is not pleased with. They want to do their own thing. And the Lord's trying to pull them into this way. Stiff-necked. Be not stiff-necked. But yield yourselves unto the Lord. Romans chapter 6. Dana, if you will, put it up on the screen. Romans 6 and verse 12. Let not sin, stop right there for just a moment. When we think of sin, we immediately go to acts of sin. And that covers a wide ocean front. 
But it's not talking about a particular act of sin. It's talking about the principle of sin, the sin nature, the, the, the force that is inside of you that's pulling you away from God, that's causing you to break God's laws. The sin nature. The sin nature is your problem. The sin nature is my problem. See, and Paul said, let not the sin nature therefore reign, reign, that word reign. We were just talking about reigns of the bit. Don't let the sin nature have the reins of your heart. Let God have the reins of your heart. Let not the sin nature therefore reign in your mortal body. Which means you can be free from the sin nature. You can be free from it. It does not have to dominate you. It does not have to rule you. Sir, you don't have to say those things. Sir, you don't have to lose your temper. Sir, you don't have to go and get a drink out of that liquor bottle. You don't have to smoke that cigarette. You don't have to buy that lottery ticket. You don't have to smoke that. You don't have to say that. You don't have to steal that. You don't have to do that. You don't have to talk about that person and cut them up. You don't have to do those things. You don't have to be dominated by that thing. You can be free. Don't let it reign. Don't let it rule in your life. That you should obey it in the lust thereof. And then he went on to say, verse 13, Romans 6, Neither yield ye your members... That's the members of your physical body, your eyes, your legs, your feet, your ears, your mind. Don't yield the members of your physical body to sin. Don't yield it, and Paul used the word as an instrument. When Paul used that word instrument, it has reference to the weapons of a Roman soldier. And what he's saying is, if you yield the members of your physical body over to the sin nature, those members of your body will become a weapon against you. You become your own worst enemy when you yield to the sin nature. You don't have to yield to that. But he said, yield yourselves unto God. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. Now what does that mean? Go back up to verse 4 of Romans 6. Romans 6 and verse 4. Therefore we are buried with Him by baptism into death. That's our coming into union with Christ when we get saved. Buried with Him by baptism into death. 
What does that mean? It means in the mind of God when Jesus Christ died on Calvary and you identify with that, you place your faith in Christ and what He did in the mind of God when Jesus died on Calvary, you died on Calvary with Him. Baptized into His death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in a newness of life. In other words, when, when Jesus died on Calvary, you died with him. When he was buried in that tomb, all of your sins were buried in that tomb with him. And when he come up out of that grave, a new you, a new person, a new creation in Christ Jesus come up out of that tomb with him. You are a new creation. You are not the same person you used to be. Let me tell you this, people going around saying they're saved and they're still living in the sinful lifestyle, something's wrong. Somebody done slipped them a counterfeit somewhere. Because the gospel I'm talking about, it changes people, it changes lives, it changes them down on the inside, and then it comes out. It's a change in their behavior, a change in their walk, a change in their talk. A change takes place. When you accept Christ, the Holy Spirit comes in and He makes that change. Yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead. The same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is now that same power that's living down on the inside of you. You've got to identify the voice of the sin nature and the voice of the Holy Spirit. And, and the thing about it, you've been listening to that sin nature for years. And it's easy to hear that voice and do that which is not of God. It's that new voice that you've got to recognize. That's why Jesus said over and over again, He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit of God is saying. You've got to identify that voice of the Spirit. The Holy Spirit will speak to you. And then you've got to walk out what He's saying. He'll tell you what church to go to. He'll tell you what to listen to, what not to listen to. He'll tell you how to dress, lady. He'll tell you what television programs are appropriate and what are not. There's not many, I can tell you that right now. The Holy Spirit, he'll, he'll, he'll speak to you. Romans 6, 13. Yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Again, that word instruments is used. If you will yield yourself to the Holy Spirit that's speaking in your life, the Holy Spirit will use the members of your physical body as a weapon in the work of God. How many of you want to be a weapon in the work of God, in the kingdom of God? If you will listen to that voice of the Holy Spirit, God will make you into a mighty weapon against the enemy, against the devil. And then he said, if you'll yield to that, then he said in verse 14, sin shall not have dominion over you all right go to second chronicles 
We're running out of time. Second Chronicles 30, verse 8. The letter that Hezekiah wrote, he said, Enter into the Lord's sanctuary. The sanctuary that the people had been going to in the northern kingdom was a false sanctuary. Nothing in that sanctuary. It was all idolatry. It had absolutely nothing to do with God, although it had all the outward trappings of religion. But the temple in Jerusalem, everything about that temple pointed to Christ in some way. And he told these people to enter into his sanctuary. Actually, it's an invitation to come into Christ. Glory to God. And then he said, verse 8, This is which God has sanctified forever. Jesus Christ is the only means of salvation and sanctification. And whatever else it is that you need for life and living. Have you yielded to the Lord? In your daily walk with God, do you yield more to the sin nature than you do God? What force is dominating in your life? Has the Lord got the reins? Is He in control or are you in control? Have you yielded to the Lord? If the program today has been a blessing to you and you would like to have a free CD copy of this message, just give us a call or text us at 252 299 Four two three four. You can also go to establishedinthefaith.com. There you will find today's message as well as many others that are in podcast form. But perhaps you need someone to just talk to or to just pray with you about something. Again, just give us a call at 252-299-4234. This program is an outreach ministry of friendship, Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. As well, depends on the prayerful and generous financial support of listeners like you to contact us or to contribute to this ministry go to establishedinthefaith.com click on the donate tab it's easy and all donations are safe and secure through paypal you can also mail us at established in the faith p.o box 601 bailey north carolina 27807 we look forward to hearing from you And I'm Juliana. And you've been listening to Established in the Faith with our dad, James Pierce. He's the pastor of Friendship Free Will Baptist Church over in Middlesex, North Carolina. That's right, girls. And every Sunday morning we have Sunday school starting at 9 o'clock and worship service at 10, as well as Bible study and prayer meeting every Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. All of these services are broadcast to the parking lot for those of you who wish to participate drive-in style. And the church is located at 744 Friendship Church Road in Middlesex, North Carolina, near the EMED community. On the website, if you click on the Contact Us tab, Google Maps will bring you right to us. We would love to have you, and we hope to see you there. And we hope today's program has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening, and God bless you.